All right, let's get to some four stock up and four stock down. Again, the two biggest storylines in this game to me are Lovey Smith's decision to punt in overtime, which has a lot of Texan fans very upset. And then uh, the use of Rex Burkhead in this game versus Damian Pierce. That has a lot of people upset. However, there were some good things that came out of this game, and we we always hit those in, in stock up, four stock up and four stock down. John, I always let you go first. Who is your first stock up today? O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard had three touchdowns in his last two seasons with Tampa, one of which he uh, blew out his Achilles. He had two touchdown catches today. He and Davis Mills connected. They lined him up on a double tight end on the last one, and it went for 22 yards to put them ahead 20-3. to three. The first one was 16 yards. They still need a tight end who can block and help them on the run. But, man, O.J. Howard, to get here as late as he did, that is something to really latch on to for the next game against Denver. Yeah, I, you know, John, I feel good about that. You and I um, and Seth, we brought that up, and we do the inactives with you during the pregame. Um, you know, that's that's one of the things that jumped out at us was, hey, it's not necessarily who's inactive. Hey, look, O.J. Howard is active, and it was kind of highlighted because Tyler Johnson, who was the other player they had picked up last week, they picked him up off of waivers. He was, he was inactive, you know, and I thought O.J. Howard might be just based on maybe knowledge of the playbook or whatever, but tight end is such a sort of a – it's such a shaky position on this team right now that – the, the two plays he caught the touchdowns on, John, that might be the only play he knows in the whole playbook, but he executed it really, really well. Uh, Teddy, the tight ends as a whole, John, just to add to your point, um, I'll add Brevin Jordan and Farrell Brown, four catches for 60 yards in those two touchdowns. Um, so it was overall a good day for the tight end position. Farrell Brown had a big catch early in the game. They got them out of the shadows of their goalposts there with a 17-yard catch. So overall, yes, a really, really good debut for O.J. Howard. My first stock up is Jerry Hughes. We had him on the post-game show today. Um, and he was great. Uh, talked a lot about uh, Lovey Smith recruiting him to come here and taking him out to eat at Stake 48 and kind of explaining how he would be deployed in this defense and what his vision for the team was, Lovey Smith. And, and Jerry Hughes said not only, you know, obviously he was sold on this being his hometown, but that really helped him solidify his decision as well. John, anytime he's had a chance to get out there on the field in the preseason, Jerry Hughes has been effective. He's been impactful. He was really impactful today. Two sacks. He, of course, had an interception as well. John, I think you could argue that between the interception, which was in Texans territory, and then the sack on Matt Ryan, where he forced a fumble, but Braden Smith fell on it. After that sack of Matt Ryan, the, 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 the Colts were in field goal range before that sack. That sack knocked them to the fringe, and then they had a delay a game penalty with Hughes lined up over Braden Smith, who false started. Not a delay a game, a false start penalty, I should say that drew them back five more yards. I think between those two sequences, the interception and the strip sack fumble, you could argue that, that Jerry Hughes saved at least six points on the scoreboard today um, for the Texans, and who knows, maybe more if the Colts drive down there and get points. This is a really good first game for Jerry Hughes. It's amazing to me, Sean. He's been in the league as long as he has. He's 34 years old. He looks as quick as he used to. But that was only the second interception of his career. Is it really? Wow. Just the second one, huh? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was good to see, man. Jerry Hughes, um, nice game for uh, for Jerry Hughes today. Um, all right, uh, John, your next stock up. Go ahead. Camus Grosier-Hill was in on 18 tackles, including 14 unassisted, one for loss, knocked down a pass. Uh, he was their leading tackler by far. Not by far. Jonathan Owens was in on 15, 11 unassisted, but I'm going with – Grugier Hill, who made some good plays, including a few times where they stuck Jonathan Taylor 
but they just kept feeding him the rock, and eventually he wears you down. Yeah, I feel like Owens with the 11 tackles. I think Jalen Petrie was in on a lot of plays today, today too. He, According to the scoreboard, only five tackles. But anytime your safeties are getting a bunch of tackles, John, I feel like those tackles were all on, on those plays by Jonathan Taylor where he's getting those big chunk plays in the second half. You know, they're tackling him. They're, you know, they're tackling him 10 yards, 14 yards down the field. I'm with you. Grusher Hill was he was solid today. He he was in he was in on a lot of plays. I thought he he had an impactful game today. I right, did. My- the one other thing about him is he makes them he makes them around the line of scrimmage sometime in the backfield, sometime when he's dropped into coverage. Too. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. My last one, stock up. Our last one here, four stock up and four stock down. John, I thought Chris Moore did some good things today. He had some he had some important plays today. Chris Moore did three catches for 31 yards on the box score. Uh, but it felt like when he when he got the football, he had a play, a kind of a bubble screen play where he shook a guy, juked him, and got some yards after the catch that we don't see that a lot on bubble screens with the Houston Texans. Um, so only three catches for 31 yards, but he's your fourth or fifth wide receiver, and he made some impactful plays. He had a catch on a the play where Davis Mills drew the roughing the passer penalty. Um, that was Chris Moore on the other end. That was probably Davis Mills' best throw all day. Um, but Chris Moore made a great catch on that. So I, it was nice to see. I, John, I think it was part of an overall theme, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about Mills and stock up and stock down at some point here because it's probably what Mills didn't do down the stretch for this team that's going to stand out more given that they had built a 20-3 to lead and coughed it up. Um, but the one thing I thought Davis Mills did do a pretty nice job of was kind of spreading the ball around. You know, he, he, he hit, by my count, he hit uh, today Cooks, Howard, Moore, Burkhead, he, I mean, he hit nine or 10 different guys with passes today. So he was able to spread the ball around pretty good. And Chris Moore was a big beneficiary of that. So there you go. Those are our four stock up. John, you want to get things kicked off with four stocks down on the Texans 20 to 20 tie with the Colts today. We'll start with left tackle Laramie Tunsil. He was doing a double team with Kenyon Green on the right defensive end. And, and uh, EJ's feed a linebacker blew by him and it looked like he should have peeled off and uh and and blocked him because after he had the sack that forced a fumble at the 20 yard line you could see tonsil kind of put his head down like he knew it was his fault and so i would start with laramie tonsil yeah i mean that that changed everything john after that i mentioned earlier after that play um the Texans offense went 16 plays for 24 yards, not including a kneel down at the end of regulation by Davis Mills. I would say the other thing for, um, and maybe this leads into my first stock down, which is Davis Mills, you know, in terms of closing out a game late, you know, Mills was, he was outstanding through the first really up to the series with the fump with the sack fumble. He was really, really good. He was 20 of 29, by my count, 20 of 29 for 214 yards and the the two touchdowns before the series with the strip sack fumble. Once the strip sack fumble happened, he, I mean, they, they, they couldn't stay on the field. I mean, he was 0 for 1, then 0 for 2, and then they had the series where he got sacked, threw an incomplete pass, sacked again. He was able to move the ball a little bit in overtime, but that was about it. The rest of the way, John, after the strip sack fumble, he was only three for eight for 26 yards the rest of the way. You know what this game reminded me of today, John? It reminded me, reminded me of that Patriots game last year in week five where the Texans built a 22 to nine lead against the Patriots and everybody's feeling good. Like, wow, they're beating a team. They're not supposed to, they're not supposed to beat. And then they just got stuck in mud the rest of the way. They just couldn't execute. 
if Mills is going to be the guy, he's got to be able to, you got to go get a field goal, man. Like I, nobody's asking you to go come from behind and score a touchdown. They're asking you to go get a field goal up 20 to six, you know, and keep it a three score game. And he's not doing that right now. One of the things he couldn't do is get the ball to his wideouts. Yeah. Only three wideouts caught passes. And if you take away the 42 yard flea flicker on the first play of the second half in which he uh, threw the cooks, the wide receivers had 11 catches for 97 yards. Mm. And that's not what you need. And I blame Mills for not getting the ball to him. John, I, and I would submit that the pass you're talking about to Cooks on the flea flicker, while it was by far the longest gain of the day on the box score, is 42 yards. It might have been his worst throw of the day. And that if he just throws it out a little further and leads Brandon Cooks, Cooks is walking into the end zone with that. Like that. They left a touchdown off the field. You know, they went on to score a field goal in that drive. But I would I would argue that that flea flicker throw by Davis Mills, which if you're a franchise quarterback, you've got to make that throw. That was a negative four-point throw. That should have been seven points, and they wound up with three. Who's your next stock down, John? I'm going to do two of them, Rex Burkhead and Damian Pierce. They had 25 carries, 73 yards. Neither one of them had a run of more than eight yards. And Burkett averaged 2.9 and carried Pierce 3.0. And Pierce slipped once and he lost three yards. That's what hurt him. And they came out after that. But I I, I think they should have – well, Pierce should have done better. He's got talent. Burkett's never going to be any better. The coaches dislike him because he doesn't make mistakes. Or maybe they're dreaming about that Chargers game again, which is the best game of his career. But just the two running backs – 25 for 73 and no touchdowns and a long gain of eight ain't going to cut it. That's yeah. John, what is it with this run game with this team, man? Like it, I feel like every off season we're like, Oh, you know what? They, they do have some talent on the offensive line and now they've got a new offensive line coach. They do got some talent on the offensive line and they drafted Kenyon green and they got a new offensive line coach. And then here we are in week one. And it's the same old thing, man. After the game, Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard both talked about miscommunication. And I guess that comes when you have a new coach, you have two guys that didn't play at all in preseason, one who played, Kenyon Green, who played in one game, and you'd think that the continuity would be better. But what you think you'd have for sure is two tackles who've been together, Tunsil and Howard, and you wouldn't expect them to be making mistakes. No. Um, all right, John, my last one, last stock down, um, Lovey Smith, uh, Lovey Smith, conservative coach. And I'm not even talking just about the decision to punt in overtime, fourth and three, uh, at the about midfield. I think it was on the Colts 49 yard line with about 24 seconds to go in overtime. That's a decision everybody's going to talk about. He was conservative throughout the game though. I would say, John, there was a point in the game to me where the worm turned in this game, the strip sack fumble is what everybody's going to point to because that's something easy to see and easy to point to, and it led to a very short, um, it led to a very short Colts touchdown drive. But if you recall the series before that, the one that started out at the Texans' one yard line, they were up twenty to three and got the ball at their own one yard line because Desmond King let the ball roll down to the one yard line. There, they got to get out of jail free card with a roughing the punter, a running into the punter penalty, and they were able to burn about six and a half minutes off the clock and get the ball into Colts territory. But they had fourth and three at the Colts 36-yard line. And instead of choosing to either go for it there, which is kind of the area of the field where you can go for it on something like that, keep in mind at that point the, the Texans are still moving the football. We'd not hit 
fourth quarter mills yet. You know, they were still moving the football at that juncture in the game. Instead of going for it on fourth and three at the 36 or uh, trying a long field goal, which they did quite a bit with Kaimi Fairbairn, would have been a 53-yard field goal. They take a delay a game and they punt from the 41-yard line of the of the Colts. And that, to me, that's where the playing not to lose started for me. And if you look at all the stats, John, that's when that's when things started to really go sideways for the Texans. I, I think Lovey's decision to punt in overtime is going to get all the attention, and that's understandable. Um, but that was not the first overly conservative decision that he made in the game that I thought affected the flow of this game. He that needed to be a go for it situation or a field goal attempt from a, a field goal kicker that you're paying to make 53 yard field goals and Kaimi Fairbairn. And Kaimi Fairbairn has done that before. Yeah. And uh, Lovey was asked about that after the game. I can't remember what he said about why he did it. But yes, that was being conservative. They were up 20 to three. Colts came back, made it 20 to six. But when you're the Texans, and I understand he's a first time head coach with the Texans, third time in his career. And you know he felt terrible after the game because they should have won it. He knows they should have won it. So I could understand him thinking about the tie being better than a loss. But to me, it's not like his job's in jeopardy. It's not like he's got owner putting pressure on you. You don't need to do that. If it backfires, I think people would understand. But you're definitely right about that series. late in the third quarter that extended yeah. into the fourth quarter. Yep. Yep. I, I thought that was, I thought that was bad. It was, it, it didn't get as much reaction because they're up 20 to three at the time. You know, it's, it, you're not in a point in the game where emotions are high, but I just remember at the time thinking, man, that's, there's three things you can do there. Go for it, kick a field goal or punt. And he just did the one that is, it's the least 2022 thing of any of, uh, you know, the, the coaches would do these days in a situation but like that. I tell you, since we're all talking about them blowing the lead and settling for the tie, something that didn't get a lot of attention, but I think should have. When Kyle Allen was made inactive and Jeff Driscoll had been brought up from the practice squad, first I thought Kyle Allen must be hurt or ill. And I checked and he was not. And I'm thinking, okay, why do they want Driscoll's there back up? And then two times we saw him come in. And the last time he came in for Mills, and according to Love, he had a run pass option and he ran for five yards in the first down. We asked Love, is this something that's going to happen regularly? Well, of course he wasn't going to tell us that. He said it probably just depends on the opponent. But I thought that was was Pep Hamilton. The flea flicker was Pep Hamilton. But if Driscoll comes in, won't defenses think, well, he's in to run the ball because he runs better than he throws? Yeah, they're telegraphing it. And I'll say this, the two times they brought him in today, they were both successful plays. You know, they they were short yardage, third down situations. And one of them – was a play that was kind of a busted play a little bit that Driscoll uses athleticism to kind of tightrope the sidelines. I'm frustrated with the whole Driscoll thing, you know, but, uh, um, I, you know, th- today's a tough day for me to, like, go criticizing the Jeff Driscoll thing because they brought him in for two plays and it worked out, you know. Can't criticize it. He's the comeback kid. He, he is. three season games. He's, John, he's the- maybe if they fall behind, it, uh, they'll put him in at the end of the game and <laughs> so, bring him from behind to win. From your lips to God's ears, John McClain. Yeah, we'll see, see what happens with that.